Oh, breathe on us, breath of God. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Open our minds to see wonderful things in your word this morning. Speak, O Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. The passage that we're looking at this morning, Ephesians 5, uh, opens up with these words. Pay careful attention, then, to how you live. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to how you're living your life? Are you paying attention to how you're spending your time? Are you paying attention as the days go by? The Apostle Paul says the days are evil. We're in a war. What we do with our lives has eternal significance for the kingdom of God. And so Paul says pay attention. Pay careful attention to how you're living. And he says to navigate this time that we're in, we need, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So we have to pay attention. What are you filling your life with? Is it full of the Spirit? Or is it full of diversions? Is it full of the Spirit? Or full of yourself? Is it full of the Spirit or full of all kinds of other things that distract? And we must also pay careful attention, careful attention to our life as a church. Is Faith Covenant Church full of the Spirit? Or are we just full of diversions? Are we full of the Spirit or full of ourselves? In our community group a couple weeks ago, one of our members, Sally Hargrave, she asked, what would it look like if our church was full, full of the Holy Spirit? And that's what we're going to wonder this morning. What, what would it look like if our church was full of the Spirit? What would you look for? What would be the signs by which we would begin to notice, yes, God is filling us with His Spirit? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning from this passage of Scripture. Five signs of a Spirit-filled church. Five signs of a Spirit-filled church. And the first one is this. A Spirit-filled church is filled with Spirit-filled believers. A Spirit-filled church is filled with Spirit-filled believers. That's kind of obvious, right? If we're going to be full of the Spirit, the people themselves have to be full of the Spirit. And this is what Paul is beginning to say in verse 19 of our passage. He says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery or reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And right away, a question pops in my mind. Don't Christians already have the Holy Spirit? How, I mean, how can, how can you be filled with something you already have? Uh, and, and, so, and the answer to that is yes, Christians do have the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you a brief reference from Acts 2.38. This is the day of Pentecost, which we'll be celebrating next week. And Peter preaches the message of the gospel. And the people ask, well, what should we do? And Peter, this is his application to his sermon, he says this, Repent and be baptized. Each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we receive the Holy Spirit when we repent of our sin, we turn to faith in Jesus Christ, that's what baptism signified, was the people had put their faith in Christ, and so those who repented and put their faith in Jesus received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, in the book of Ephesus, he is writing to the church in Ephesus, he's writing to Christians. People who should already have the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is, what is going on? Don't we already have the Holy Spirit, Paul? How can we be filled with something we already have? Well, I think one, I'll give you an illustration that I think helps me. I don't really know a lot about uh, manual labor or things in houses, but I know, I know a couple things. And uh, one thing I know is that the parsonage has, uh, I think it's called an electric panel, uh, that, has, that has 200 amps. 
and it's got all kinds of switches, but the power that can run through our house can go up to 200 amps. So we could really run up the electric bill on you guys if we really wanted to. We could be plugging in everything. We could, pro we could probably power our whole block with that thing. There's a lot of power that's available there. But the reality is we probably only use like 50 amps. Because we don't, we don't, we, I'm, I'm, I turn off the lights regularly. We don't plug in all the hair dryers all at once. We use a pretty normal amount of electricity. And so what happens is we have access to this 200 amps. We have access to this wonderful power, but we're not really always plugged into it. Not all the lines are plugged in. All the power is not running through the house. Thank God, right? But, <laughs> but in, the same, in the same way, to be filled with the Spirit means that, our, that we have access to this wonderful power, but we're not always open to the Spirit's flow. We're not always open to the Spirit's influence and His filling in our lives. And so to be filled with the Spirit means to open our lives to the flow, to the power of the Spirit that's already within us. One biblical scholar says this, he says, Each Christian has all of the Spirit, but the command to be filled with the Spirit enables the Spirit to have all of the believer. We already have all of the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit means that we let the Spirit have all of us to let all his power and his influence flow through us, to continually give your life over to his leading and guidance and direction in your life. And it means that we will be completely under his influence. And I think this is why Paul compares being filled with the Spirit to drunkenness. He says, do not get drunk, because that leads to reckless living. And when that, that Greek word, reckless living, it's the same word that's used to describe how the prodigal son leaves the father's house and goes and spends his money and lives in all kinds of wild living. And Paul says when, you're, when you give yourself over to drink, you're gonna, it's going to lead to all kinds of bad decisions. And that's why we say that when you're, when you're drunk, you are, quote-unquote, under the influence. You're under the influence of a power that is now at work in your life, leading you to make reckless decisions. But the opposite is true. When you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, when you become under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, He will lead you not to reckless living, but to holy living. He will lead you to living a holy life, a life dedicated to God. And you'll be under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Running, not running away from God like the prodigal son, but running to God, to his love, to his holiness, to everything in a holy life. And this is, this is a lifestyle that we are commanded to pursue. It's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not an option for Christians. We must pursue it. And in the Greek, that command is in the present tense. When it's something is in the present tense, it means it should be an ongoing action, that we must continually give our lives over to this, that we don't say, you know what, I'm satisfied where, where I am in the Christian life. I've been following for Jesus for years, so now I'm good. No, it's, this, is, this is an ongoing command to say, continually let your life, let that power, let that guidance, let that influence just flow through your life. And spirit-filled churches are marked by individual believers who say, yes, I am going to pursue a life that is filled by the Holy Spirit, a life that is under His influence, that I'm yielding my life to His. And that is how we become a Spirit-filled church. And now the next part of the scripture that Paul has, he mentions four practices. They're participles, that they're ongoing actions that mark churches that are filled with the Spirit. And so the second mark is this. A Spirit-filled church is filled with musical worship. A spirit-filled church is filled with musical worship. So Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, 
speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Singing and making music, they've been a part of God's people uh, from the very beginning in the church, but also goes further back from that all the way to the Old Testament faithful people of God who worship God through song and music. God has designed us to worship Him with songs and music. The angels of heaven continually pour out praise to God and His holiness. And I believe there, there is something about song that helps us be open to the Spirit's guiding and influence in our lives. There's something about it that we can, in worship, we can better sense His presence and we can better hear His voice. And I give you a, in a, a testament to this from one of the early church fathers, John Chrysostom. Uh, and I love seeing things that just go way back. This is the 400s. And he says, Those who have learned to sing with the song, psalms are easily filled with the Holy Spirit. See, John Chrysostom had learned there's something about singing to God that opens us up to the Spirit's filling and influence in our lives. And I can tell you, some of my most powerful moments in my walk with God have been in worship, singing songs to the Lord with my heart. And I know for many of you, you can think back to a time right now where you've experienced the presence and the power of the Lord in your life while you've been at worship. You can think back to that time. God will move through this. There is something about worship that opens us up to the Spirit's work. And liturgically speaking, this is why churches have often organized their order of service by having worship first. Because you worship, you spend time in the Lord's presence. And now the second movement is to hear from God's word. Because now you've, been, now you've spent time in his presence. Now we are ready to hear what the Spirit might be saying to us. And so the church has organized their life of worship around this practice for some time. And then Paul goes on to remind us it's not a performance. It's not a performance. It's about your heart. And the primary audience is to the Lord. He says, with your heart, to the Lord. With your heart, to the Lord. So he says, with all your being, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, worship the Lord. So we must not let our worship or our singing be weak. We must not let it just be going through the motions. It has to be with your heart. We have to heed the warning of Jesus Christ, who said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far, are far from me. May we never enter our worship without our hearts engaged. We need our hearts to be engaged as well. And when you let your heart become open to the leading of the Spirit, His, his love and His joy and His presence can flow in our lives. So a spirit-filled church is filled with musical worship. Number three, a spirit-filled church is filled with ministry. A spirit-filled church is filled with ministry. So Paul is talking about worship, and he says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so he's referencing these different types of worship songs. And so you'd expect Paul to say, hey, as you're singing and speaking to God, as you're singing to God. But no, he doesn't say that. Look, at, look, look closer. Look at verse 19. He says, Speaking to one another. Isn't that interesting? Speaking to one another. In other words, the gatherings for worship were, were, were just as much for, the, for worshiping God as they were for, for encouraging other believers, building them up. There was a ministry of speaking these songs, of singing these songs, of encouraging one another in the faith. And Paul, in a, there's a parallel passage of this in Colossians 3.16, and it gives us a little bit different flavor of what was going on in the early church. And it says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs 
from the Spirit. In other words, there's a, there's a one anothering. There's an admonishing and encouraging. There's a one another ministry happening in the body. And so this is why worship, it's not just a you and God thing. It's not just our little private time with us and the Lord. No, it's about the body being together. So we encourage one another. We sing to one another. And so even if you, can't, even if you cannot sing a note, your voice makes a difference. Because we, we are encouraged by your presence, by your voice, by, by we're teaching one another as we're singing these songs to the Lord. And so we have a, a, a speaking ministry and a singing ministry to each other. And so the Spirit is working through that in the church. Uh, but it's not just the musical people who have, have a ministry, right? There's, there are other types of ministry in the body. Uh, and Paul uh, calls these the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, he, and uh, the Apostle Peter, he referenced this as well, and he says this in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. He says to the church, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace, it comes from God in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised, worship again, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Friends, churches that are filled with the Spirit are constantly releasing people for ministry. Churches that are filled with the Spirit are releasing people to use the gifts that the Spirit is wanting to release in the body. And we really believe this and, uh, and practice this at our church. We, we have a, a saying around here, one of our values, that it's that every member is a minister. That every person is filled with the Spirit and because of that has a ministry that the Holy Spirit wants to use in the body. And so I've, I've recently been reminded of how important uh, this is and how important... Uh, Maybe gifts that we don't think are as, as visible, they're more behind the scenes, but the Holy Spirit is using it just the same. I've been reminded how important the gift of encouragement is. I received a, I received a note in the mail this week from a woman in our church who I believe has the, the spiritual gift of encouragement. It was, a, it was a nice letter that just, she was pointing out how she was seeing God work in my life and in the church, and it was so encouraging. And then uh, this woman also wrote Navia a letter that she got at her, at her open house yesterday. And it was just filled with all kinds of wonderful words that spoke to her heart and encouraged her. And Pastor Sarah, who's here with us this morning, just told me that she also has a note from this woman that she still hangs on to because that note meant so much to her and encouraged her and spoke into her life. Friends, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit using us to minister to one another. And the Holy Spirit used this woman to bless other people's lives, to build them up, to encourage one another. And so we need churches that are releasing people to use their gifts, everything that God has given them. And now I really I want to give you a hard truth. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. And if you are not using that gift, you are blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit in our church. That's just the truth. The Holy Spirit has given you a gift, friends. He has given you a gift. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, wants to empower you to do ministry in our church. Don't you want churches to be vibrant and full of the Spirit of God? God is wanting to release you for ministry. So don't hold back because that is how the Spirit is flowing in the churches. Every member is a minister. Every member has a ministry. And so if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, get into ministry in the church. Get into ministry in the body. 
What, find out your gift. If you don't know it, we can help you. We can get you into a class. We, you can help figure it out. We can dis- discern with you. What is God calling you to do? And what would our church be like if every single gift that the Holy Spirit wants to release was all of a sudden dramatically released and poured out? Wouldn't revival be sparked in this church if every gift was being released, if every ministry was happening? And so if you want to see our church in the fullness of what God has for us, then don't hold back your gifts. Write that note. Join that team. Teach that class. Start that small group. Cook that food. And see God's spirit flow through this place. A spirit-filled church is filled with ministry. Not a ministry of the few. Not a ministry of the pastor. Not a ministry of just the board. But a ministry of all. Of all God's people. Using their gifts to bless the church from top to bottom. Everybody ministering. That's the vision. So spirit-filled church is filled with ministry. Number four. Let me continue on. A spirit-filled church is filled with thanksgiving. Verse 20, Paul continues this. Be filled with spirit, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice how the Trinity is implicit in this verse. We're being filled with the spirit to give thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three in one. God God is three in one. The Trinity. We'll be talking about that in a a couple weeks here. But continuing on with this theme of giving thanks, giving thanks, this is a huge theme in the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. It's a huge aspect of what it means to live life in the Spirit. When we give thanksgiving, it keeps us open to see the great things that God is doing among us. Uh, You know, one of the great sins of those who lived under the Old Covenant before the Spirit came at Pentecost was actually that of complaining. Complaining. The people were always grumbling against Moses and the Lord. And in fact, even right after God does all of these miracles and leads them out of Egypt, they say, man, why don't we just go back to Egypt? We had it better there. And it's like, are you kidding me? You just saw God deliver you. How are you still focusing on that? They couldn't get past their negative spirit. They couldn't see past the negative things going on in their life. One scholar, John Stott, he would go so far as to say that the grumbling spirit is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. And I think he is absolutely right. The Apostle Paul would say the same. Do everything, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Philippians 3.14. And we are tempted by Satan, I presume, to think that grumbling or complaining, arguing, that's, that's really not a big deal. It's really kind of a small thing. We can just pass that by. Uh, we're just venting. We're just discussing. We're just getting that off my chest. But no, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Because there is something about complaining and negativity that stifles what the Spirit is doing in the church. It, sti- it stifles it. Often a simple time of complaining can, can, can spark a small little fire that breeds bitterness, that breeds uh, dissension, that breeds division in the church. And these are all things that, that Jesus is praying for the unity of the church. And this little small, this small little fire can turn into a brush. And there are many testimonies of churches all over, the, all over our country that have that have, from a small spark of complaining, it has, it has grown and grown and grown and killed those churches. It, 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 is, it is a fire not to be trifled with. It was a serious sin the people in the Old, the old Covenant had, had to get away from. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit in our era, it can be a new day for the church. That as we let the Holy Spirit fill us, we can overflow with thanksgiving. Because there is something, complaining stifles the Spirit, but thanksgiving lets us be open to what the Spirit is doing in our lives and in the church. 
You know, one of the questions uh, that um, the covenant has been encouraging us to do, that, that our, board and our board and our staff, we've been adopting into our life, and we've been asking the question, where do you see God at work in our church? Where do you see God at work in your life? Because we don't, we don't want to be blind to what God is doing. Because we, we can just be so focused on the negative things. If we don't see where the Spirit is moving, the good things that are happening, we're going to miss it. And we have to celebrate. We want to be discerning. Yes, where is the Spirit of God moving in this place? We want to celebrate that. We want to thank God for that. And we want to resource that. We want to jump on the bandwagon of whatever the Spirit is blowing and leading. We want to be moving in that direction. And so we've been asking each other, yes, where do you see God at work in our church so that we can celebrate and give thanks? We don't want to let the good things pass us by. We have to give thanks, uh, giving for that. And friends, I believe God is doing a lot in our church. There are a lot of good things happening here at Faith Covenant, which I am extremely thankful for and grateful for. And we should all give thanks to God for the good things that we see. And I'll just add this. This is a little ad lib. We should also encourage one another with those things. As you see God working in our church, speak up about it. Write, that, write, a, write a note, tell somebody else, yes, I see God doing this. Because that's how we encourage one another in the body as well. So let me, let me move on to my final point here. Number five, a spirit-filled church is filled with mutual submission. This is actually, in some of your Bibles, this will, they'll often maybe connect this verse with the next section, but it's actually connected to what we've been talking about. It's still connected to that be filled with the Spirit command. It's a participle about being filled with the Spirit. And so it's, it's a submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, verse 21 it says. And I think some people, they, perhaps they're claiming to be led by the Spirit, they, they create havoc in the church because they're, they're insisting on their own way. This is where God is leading, or it's their own, but it's their own philosophy, it's their own vision of how things should be done. And this is not the way of the Spirit. The Spirit-filled church is filled with mutual submission one to another. And I can think of no better way of describing to you what this looks like than the very words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. So this is the best description of what this means. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say how Jesus Christ gave up the glory of heaven to become a servant, to take on human flesh, and become obedient to the death on a cross. And he says this is what it should look like in your church. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about the life of the church. This is the mindset you ought to have with one another, mutually submitting to one another. And this is, this is so, this is so countercultural. It's so good. It's so really good, but it's so countercultural, because we are, we we are Paul is promoting this kind of community where everyone is is valuing the interests of the others above themselves. They're looking for what is good for the whole rather than for the individual, and in a world that is marked by self-interest, by by what is good for me, how countercultural can the church be? Where we say, no, we are thinking about the interests of others in the common good of this uh, this community, and so we and friends, this is hard. This is so hard because it's, it's against our flesh and it's countercultural. And so we, we need the Holy Spirit to help us do this, to submit to each other. And it's hard work because we often, we often don't like to do, to do this in the church. We'd rather get our own way, right? I mean, because that's the way that we want. We'd rather get that way. And so it's hard to submit. And I love how, how John Calvin puts this. He, he, says, uh, he says, as nothing is more irksome, irksome to the mind of man than this mutual subjection, he directs us to the fear of Christ. 
who alone can subdue our fierceness, that we may not refuse the yoke and can humble our pride, that we may not be ashamed of serving our neighbors. Look how Calvin puts 500 years ago. It's so irksome to the mind of man. It's so irksome to our flesh that I have to submit to somebody else and, and, and what they desire, what they would want in the church. But he says, that is why the apostle directs us to the fear of Christ. Fearing Jesus Christ. And how I understand this is because each one of you have the Holy Spirit. That means the Spirit of Christ is in you. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And so how I treat my brothers and sisters in the church is a reflection of how I'm treating Jesus Christ. Shouldn't that put a little bit of fear in us about how we treat each other in the church? Shouldn't that give us a pause when we go to grumble to get our own way? How we treat each other is how we treat Jesus. That is why we're directed to the fear of Christ. Because we are, you are so precious and holy in God's sight. And he wants to honor each person in the body. And so we mutually submit to one, one to another. This is, again, this, this, is, this is so countercultural, friends. This is, this is a call to resist all the individual, individualism in the church and in the world. How the Spirit fills us as we operate, not as a collection of just individuals, but as a body, as a community, as we covenant with one another. And this is why I believe church membership is still an important countercultural practice. A lot of churches have abandoned church membership. I'm not saying the Bible says we all have to sign church membership agreements, but I think it's an important countercultural practice because it says, yes, I am committing myself. I am covenanting with this group of people to say, I'm going to be about the good of this community. I'm going to submit myself to this church, to being here on Sundays regularly, to submitting my time, my talents, my gifts, my finances. I'm going to give to the common good of the church. I'm submitting myself to this group of people and where God is leading this body. That's why it's important, because we're in this together. We're in this together as a community, as a body. And mutually submitted believers, they are people who will say, I will do whatever it takes that this, so that the mission of this church is accomplished and that God, God is glorified through what we do. It is, it is people who will, who will say, I care more that the mission gets accomplished than that the mission gets accomplished my way. I care more that the mission gets accomplished, then the mission gets accomplished in my way. We care more about what Jesus is doing than our own preferences. We look out for the good of the church rather than our own interests. And I want to ask the question, what if everyone was submitting their lives for the good of the church? Don't you think you would see a church that is so full of the Spirit because everyone is open to what God is doing, even if they can't see it for themselves at first, they're submitting to the way God is working in the church for the sake of others. So let's recap a little bit. A spirit-filled church is filled with spirit-filled believers, with musical worship, with ministry, with thanksgiving to God, and with mutual submission one to another. You know, some biblical commentators, they wonder, are these things, are they just signs of the Holy Spirit only, or are these things by which we can be filled with the Spirit? And the answer is yes. These are, these are the signs of a Spirit-filled church, and these are also the practices, the means by which we become open to the Spirit's filling in our lives and as a church. And so our church, our church is filled with the Spirit as each person in this church seeks to be filled with the Spirit, seeks to minister to others, uh, sings and make music, uh, makes music with their heart to the Lord as we practice thanksgiving and as we mutually submit to each other in the church. 
And if you want to take it down to the individual level too, this is true for your own life. If you want a life where you sense the, the dynamic presence of the Spirit as you go about your day-to-day life, practice these things. Seek to be filled with the Spirit, minister to other people, sing and make music, practice thanksgiving, and be mutually submitted in a body. Don't go it alone. This is how we become filled with the Spirit in our personal lives as well. Friends, I long to see churches that are filled with the Spirit, don't you? I would love to see this. I believe the Spirit is at work in this place. And Paul says, go on to more. Be filled again. Be filled more. Let's keep practicing that. Let's keep being filled with the Spirit. And let's see the Spirit of God blow through this place in profound ways. Let's be full of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we just quiet ourselves before you to hear what your spirit might be saying even now. God, there is so much to be grateful for. We give you thanks for all that you're doing in our church. Lord, the new ministries that we see taking place, the new people coming, the new students who are being served, the new fellowship, the new warmth, the new, the new relationships that are forming, God. God, all the ways that you are at work in this place. God, the new dreams and goals and visions for what you're doing here, God, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you that you have been so faithful to us over the years. Thank you that you are still with us as we move into the future. Thank you that you are our constant companion and guide through all of life and through all of life as a body together. And oh God, just help us to be open to your Spirit's power in our lives and in our church. Lord, may we be uh, um, discerning of maybe ways we're blocking the influence of your Spirit. God, would you clear all the roadblocks, all the things that we put into our lives and to the church that keep your Spirit flowing Uh, keep your spirit from flowing through this place in the powerful ways that you want to. So Lord, fill us. We seek to be filled with the spirit. We seek to be a spirit-filled church and we seek to be spirit-filled believers. Oh God, let it overflow. Let that, that abundant life flow and overflow in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds and in our relationships with one another. May we sense your spirit moving and leading us in this place. We give you all the thanks and praise and the glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.